Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clementi, and welcome to the show today. We're fortunate to have Jeff Thompson with us. He's the partner and engineer for Shaggy Skis and a lot of other titles. In fact, Jeff, welcome to the show first. Well, thanks for having me, Ed. I'm uh, excited to be here and tell you about our Michigan-made skis. And not only that, your title actually, not your title, I know partner and engineer, but also your co-founder as well. And I think the other thing, too, is you have a longer name, which ties into a little bit of your history of the organization too, right? Absolutely. So everything's our full name, Shaggy's Copper Country Skis. It's an ode to our family. My grandmother's great uncle Shaggy used to carve skis by hand up in Michigan's Keweenaw Peninsula in Kearsarge, just past Calumet. And when my brother and I started building skis, um, we found these skis and my dad told us about the history that, oh, those are your grandmother's skis that are uncle shaggy carved her we thought what is better than somebody you know 100 years before us in our family building you know that was making skis we got to name this after him so came from shaggy scopper country skis so hang on is shaggy a nickname or is that his real name yeah (laughs) yeah shaggy is definitely a nickname his name was uh sulo leto and he was a jack of all trades up in the copper mining country and he did a lot of things. He was a blacksmith for a while, um, but carving skis was definitely a hobby and a fun thing that he did. And it was a way of life up, you know, in the big snow country. So we uh, were really proud to be able to honor, honor our family legacy. And for listeners, if you go to the website, I think there's a picture of him with a sledgehammer or something in his hand. It's a pretty cool photo. Um, And and we should also put a plug in because this, you know, obviously this is the internet. You're going to be able to download this around the world, actually, to hear this podcast. But we also have a weird pocket up in northern Michigan that a lot of people don't know about, but are the Finnish people. You said his name so quickly, but a lot of people don't understand. There's a lot of Finnish people still up in the area. Yes, absolutely. They're all over, especially up in the the Keweenaw Peninsula. Um, And, you know, there's a tremendous amount of immigrants that came in for mining and they liked being in the snow and the cold weather. And, uh, it's pretty cool to, uh, yeah. There's even a college up there. I think it's what Sumi college isn't it? Yeah. No, Finlandia university. Now. Finlandia. That's right. It changed oh. its name. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. And they teach Finnish, I think still up there. I believe too. they do. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to the, the ski work. You, you mentioned your brother and I think he co-founded it with you, but now you're mainly the main person now, or how does it work? Yeah. So my brother and I in 2005 started building skis. Um, and we kind of had grand plans eventually one day of, you know, turning it into a business. Um, we came from a family of entrepreneurs. And so while we were just trying to build a ski, there was always a thought in the back of our head that we want to do something. Um, fast forward to 2008, my dad had got pretty heavily involved in the process as well. So uh, my brother, my father, and I um, all founded Shaggies, and we decided to make a run at it. And so, I mean, 
did you were you did you grow up then in northern Michigan or the UP? So I actually grew up downstate. Um, oh. Family's from Cape <laughs> Sarge. And then I grew up downstate in South Lyon, just outside of uh, Brayton in Ann Arbor. And we were a big ski racing family. So we were traveling across northern Michigan every weekend. We would four days a week, we would train. And then two days a week, you'd have ski races on the weekends. So essentially six days were on snow. And through our whole, like my whole childhood upbringing, that's what our life was. We were on the snow all the time. And we wanted to make an all mountain ski that had the performance similar to, you know, a, a race ski, but in a wide variety of conditions. So that was kind of the, the starting point of what we were looking to do. Um, and, you know, here we are 17, almost 18 years later. Yeah. And you're talking to the, to me because I intellectually curious because I don't ski at all. I cross country ski only, but, uh, but I mean, I'm always fascinated by the ski industry in Michigan in general. And then let's just put a little plug in too, kind of for the MEDC. Um, we, you know, we have a new division over here, but it's it's new to MEDC, but we've had uh, Brad uh, Garman on before who heads up the Michigan Outdoor Recreation Industry Office. And obviously you're part of that because you're a manufacturer, right? right. And so, I mean, I'm sure you've been engaged with him too in the past as well. Yes, we have. We've talked about, you know, different, opportunities that may, you know, start to present themselves as it's becoming more and more apparent that people, they want to be outdoors, especially in the last couple of years. There, what are things that you can't stop doing? Um, being outdoors is definitely one of them. So it's really important, you know, tourism and outdoor recreation is such an economic driver, especially in Northern Michigan, where we, you know, where we're located and, you know, to see everyone pushing, you know, towards being outside, being active. It's a, uh, it's a really important thing and we're excited to be part of it moving forward. Yeah. I'm going to put in an additional plug for two people, you know, uh, Odie McKinley, who does, he's uses your equipment. He's got shaggy skis. I think he's got a few of them and also Kyle Gilmore, but they do a lot of the pure Michigan video. And uh, I've been told by both of them that with the drone footage on pure Michigan, which is some of the more beautiful film if you haven't seen any of it but there's you can see shaggy skis because Odie's using them and the drone follows them down the hills and they're shot throughout different ski resorts throughout Michigan so uh, you get a good plug that way but it's it's so great you make these here and can you talk a little bit more about the hardcore part of the manufacturing side of it like how, how do you make a ski I don't even know yeah so making a ski is a pretty in-depth process um, it takes roughly eight man hours to produce a pair of skis. And with that, essentially, we take all of our raw materials from um, like the heart of everything is going to be a hardwood core. And we use Northern Michigan ash, poplar, and aspen. Um, so we're bringing in rough lumber from a mill and we're processing that down into a very stable state. We're actually flexing strips of lumber, matching the stiffness across. Um, seven strips of lumber that are laminated to make one ski core. And then we are going to take these different species of wood and machine them down to the actual um, thickness of a ski. So they're tapered at the tip and tail. And every ski model has a different profile. It's designed uniquely for the conditions that it's going to be skied on and who's going to be skiing on it. And then from there, we're going to have this ski core and we're going to start wrapping that with materials, different plastics around the edges fiberglass on top and bottom, carbon fiber underneath the core, 
um, your ski base and edges. So all these things are going to get laminated together in a press, and that's going to form the tip and tail shape of the skis and press all the materials together into one. Um, and also in that process, we have the graphic that's applied. So the top sheet um, graphic, which a big thing that we do is custom artwork. We can add people's custom artwork to the skis or they can come to us and say, hey, what can I, you know, I have this idea. Can you come up with this? So we'll take a concept and turn it into a piece of art for them and put it on the top of their skis. Um, so that'll all get laminated in that pressing process. And from so there, good. So you can do that for individuals or do you do it for like corporations? or for individuals, what? we do a one-off ski. Oh, wow. So it's like kind of a custom project too, because they might yeah. even say what they're looking for, right? Right. A hundred percent. So that's actually this, um, when we're in the season, it's a large portion of our business is building custom skis. In the off season, we're building more of our stock products. Um, but right now we are working on making these custom skis for individuals, whether we're actually customizing the construction of the skis or just the graphics on the skis, it's definitely a, um, they get a totally unique product. That's a one-off for them. So do you physically still make the skis yourself? I don't may, I'm not in the production process too often. I definitely, I'm as an engineer, I'm, you know, in it all the time working to improve the processes, design new skis. Um, and as a small business owner, you're always in it in some aspect. Um, but my day-to-day is more on running the business, um, helping customers. You know, I, I love talking to, talking about skis and helping customers find the exact right product for them. Um, and then working on actually designing, uh, designing new ski models. Yeah. And this is a plug for you. You didn't expect, but uh, a buddy of mine, I played rugby with at uh, down at U of M. He, um, he lives out in Portland, no Seattle now. And he still has your skis. And he said, you were the nicest guy because you helped him pick what he wanted. And I don't know when he bought them, but he's been there before because his wife's from the Traverse City area. So he's got a few sets of skis. But uh, he just told me to say thank you. It was a good company. <laughs> so I'm sure you get a lot of testimonials anyway. Well, that's good. We, you know, we want to, uh, we want to, you know, we say when you buy a pair of skis from us, you're joining the Shaggy's family. And we really believe that that's what it's all about. Our customers are number one. And we want to be able to, you know, honestly empathize with what they're, what they're skiing and and figure out what experience is going to be best. So we pride ourselves on that aspect. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. And I did sort of cut you off a little bit at the tail end of what else you do for the skis. And I would imagine it's like the bindings or those kind of things too. Right? Yeah. So once the skis have been pressed, they actually go into our finishing area where there's a lot of hand, a lot of hand work that gets done. There's all sorts of flashing and excess, excess fiberglass and plastic that needs to get cut off the edges. So they'll really go from kind of like a block of ski materials that are all one. And then they're going to get cut apart actually back into a pair of skis and finished. They'll go through, we have a, um, a Wintersteiger automated grinding um, robot that's going to put a really nice tune on the bottom of the skis and sharpen the edges with ceramic discs. So it's going to get a really nice finish that goes on the skis. And then they get waxed and hand finished and polished and sent out the door. Um, we actually strictly do skis. We don't 
do ski bindings or boots or poles. We stick to what we know. Um, so the majority of our skis are sold to an end user. Um, we are direct to consumer. So those skis, they get finished, they get put in a box and shipped out to, uh, to a customer. So they can at that point, go to their ski local ski shop, bring their boots in, get their bindings mounted and set up. Oh, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't have even thought about that. Um, and so, and like I said, I'm not a skier, but your name is mainly on the bottom, right? Or is it on the top too, usually? Uh, he's definitely on the bottom. Our big Shaggy's branding in bright blue letters is on the base of every ski, unless you're doing something custom and we're still putting Shaggy's on it, but you could choose your colors. Um, on the top sheet, yeah, there's still, it says Shaggy's, but not as big and bold. Um, and if somebody wants to do a custom ski, they can do whatever they want. You know, if they want to leave our branding off, go for it. We Most of our customers say, we want to have a big Shaggy's on there, though. So that's nice. And I don't, you don't have to say exactly who the customer was, but have you had any really interesting type things you've put on the skis? Yeah, we. I mean, we've had customers who have... Um, they've contacted different artists, you know, their favorite artist, and tried to get a, a painting that we can digitize and turn into ski art. So that's, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Certainly, you know, a number of those different things. I mean, every year there, there's more and more that come through um, a couple things that stand out. Um, we actually had a customer who's, I think they had a, uh, their brother passed away, unfortunately, but he was an artist and, they had like doodles and drawings in his, in his sketchbook that they brought to us and we turned into a, um, into a ski graphic. So, and then he handed it off to his father. He bought skis for himself and his father. He was able to, um, you know, memorialize his son on this pair of skis and they all loved skiing together. So every time they go skiing, they've got his art on their skis. So that's, that was pretty special. Um, but the things that people come up with, you know, it's from space cats to, Uh, you know, fighter jets and, you know, people that want to put their, um, you know, maybe their call sign, a lot of, um, you know, military guys want to have represent their branch of the military and, you know, put their call sign. And um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's fascinating. I would have never have known that. Uh, And I should also mention, you won't see him in the audience, but he's wearing a stormy Cromer hat and we obviously appreciate it. Another Uper company. So you're keeping your Uper roots with your head keeping warm too. And, um, Let's a couple other things too. Um, so I, I'm once again, I don't know that much about downhill, but is there different skis for like Michigan, say, versus out west or Switzerland or you know, sure. they, so how does that work? Like, how do you decide which is which, or do they yeah. ask you, right? So, there are so many different types of skis for different conditions, different amounts of you know, how much vertical drop do you are you going to have? Um, and that's really a conversation with the customer. I mean, we make powder skis, we make carving skis. Um, our specialty is all mountain skis. So for taking on a wide variety of conditions through most, um, you know, places you'd find both on and off trail. Um, so in Michigan, you know, typically you're going to maybe look for you know, a slightly narrower ski than you would find out West or if somebody's skiing in, in Vermont. A lot of times they encounter a lot of ice, way more ice than we do. So they want, they put a higher priority on a ski that has more edge grip over flotation or the ability to kind of punch through crud and chopped up snow where we ski in a lot of variable conditions here in Michigan. Um, so having something like that is, is very important. And just, and you, maybe you kind of touched on it right now, but the last few questions is 
like, what do you see for your future? Is there new tech? I remember for a while there was those hyperbolic skis. <laughs> I parabolic skis, yeah. Yeah, parabolic skis. I don't know if those are still popular, but I know I don't see them as much now. I don't know if they're still popular or what. Like, is that technology still evolving for skiing? It absolutely is. So, you know, parabolic like technology or using a using an arc to um, generate the turn shape of a ski that's that's very important and that is actually it defines basically the tighter the turning radius on the ski the faster you're going to be able to make a turn um and the sharper it's going to be so that's definitely still extremely relevant um and it's definitely every ski has various amounts of um you know eh, they're changed to various degrees of what the ski is going to be used for. I think the future for us is looking at materials and we are, we started looking at ways that we can reduce waste in our manufacturing process. Um, and in conjunction with that, so try to reduce waste using, um, different materials and being able to take certain things out that, um, are required. So we're looking at a couple of different manufacturers to work with, uh, urethane, where it's a, a product that can be poured and formed rather than um, taking the place of some of the plastics in the skis that have to get machined out of big blocks. So rather than having a big giant pile of shavings at the end of the day, we just were able to use the exact amount. So trying to do that, um, become more sustainable with the materials that go into the skis. Um, that's a big thing for us to, and that in hand, you know, hand in hand, that's will improve the processing speed of us being able to offer more mass customization um, and being able to do that faster. That's where our benefit is because we're not trying to be the biggest factory in the world. We don't want to be, <laughs> um, you know, we are, we're certainly, you know, we're in Michigan, we're in the, in the state that builds things and we want to be really good at what we build and be able to make skis that are customized at a, you know, so you don't have to pay three times the price to get a custom pair of skis. You definitely have to pay a premium, but we want to be able to do that quickly, um, effectively, and um, just make it seamless in our process. So the mass customization, I think, is a big part of our future also. Yeah, I was actually interested, too, when you said all the different types of trees you use for the core, too. And, you know, Michigan-based, and we have all those. I would imagine the ash is harder to find nowadays. but It uh, is. Yeah, but I know that Ash was big for like baseball bats, like Louisville Sluggers. Right. And they had to change to what they started using too. I remember when that was like the Admiral Ash Borer was running around. Right. Um, but uh, and you, by the way, you did mention you're in Boyne City. I forgot where you're located. Yes. Directly. Yeah, we're located in Boyne City. And your factory's there too, as well as yep. your storefront, or are they combined? Yes, everything's all in one building here. Um, we have like we produce all of the skis. I walk out the door and I'm in our, on our factory floor where we are producing our skis. We're a small shop, you know. We have um, there's about nine of us that do everything here, um, producing skis, selling, um, helping customers. You know, we're a small business and we're proud to be that size. And we, uh, you know, we try to punch above our weight. Yeah, and you, you, I think you probably sell some merchandise too, as well, like clothes or anything too. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got our line of uh, swag, the stuff we all get, um, your t-shirts, hoodies, hats, the, uh, all the branded apparel. So you can rep shaggies when you're, when you're not skiing. Yeah, no. And, and I imagine it's just, you just punch in shaggy on a Google search and they'll find you. Absolutely. Look up shaggy skis, go to ski shaggies.com. Um, most of those places will get you there. 
Yeah, no, no. It's great gifts for people too throughout the year just to have some apparel too. Um, The last couple of questions are pretty quick, but uh, because you've sort of became a self, you're actually repeating your grandpa's legacy somewhat, but (laughs) like – any advice you give yourself before you, like at 17, you would probably tell you to do something different or you <laughs> tell yourself to do the same or what? Um, you know, I'd probably started a little bit differently. I, I would not give up anything for the path of entrepreneurship. Um, it's, it's struggle. You know, there's a giant struggle. There's trying times when the times are good, they're good. Um, I would say stay when we first started, we tried to present ourselves as a bigger business than we were. And that's, was probably to gain, you know, try to get more legitimacy for a small business. Um, but now with the fact that everything's online, you can see things so quickly and, and, you know, virtually touch them online, be proud of being small. Yeah. That's, that's what I would, that's what I would tell myself. And one last little teeny story I think you should mention is you pivoted somewhat during COVID uh, why don't you tell the little story of what you made? Yeah, that's right. How yeah. you were approached. Yeah, sure. So um, back in March 2020, we were, we knew that early March, we knew that, man, something, you know, drastic is going to be happening and our, our country is definitely going to be changing. Um, so we put up a post on our Facebook page saying, here's the type of things that we can do. Here's the type of things that we can make. We have no idea what's going to need to be made, but if we can help with something, give us, you know, just let us know. Um, a couple days later, we got a call from the pre- president of McLaren, Northern Michigan, asking if we could um, make face shields. We didn't even know what a face shield was at that <laughs> point. Um, it was funny. I was actually, um, my wife was giving birth and at that point, so I was actually at the hospital and they had someone come and drop off samples to our room. And we looked at them <laughs> and my my wife had just Wait, you're at the hospital at where the, hospital. the guy where the president was approaching you yes. during the birthing process. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily it was a, it was a little bit after we would have told them, "Hey, you're going to have to come back." And but uh, it was probably eight hours after my daughter was born. They dropped off samples. And <laughs> we looked at them. I said, "I think we can make this as long as we can source the materials." And from there on, it was a race. Um, we retooled our whole shop worked together with my brother's new business and we made hundreds of thousands of face shields for hospitals all over the state. Um, wow. And that kind of kept us running. We never shut down. We had one day where we shut down at the beginning of the lockdowns. And after that point, we, we raced on through and made as many as we could. Well, your last question is pretty simple, but, uh, and you don't have to give, if you have a secret spot, but what do you like best about like, what thing do you like or place or event in Michigan? That is a really good question. And that's a loaded question of what my favorite place is in Michigan, but <laughs> definitely in the copper country. I love skiing at Mount Bohemia. It's a, you get kind of like a rugged Western feel, but you're overlooking the great lakes, a tremendous amount of snow. Um, and it's all within Michigan. So I mean, I love it all, but being able to see the water and have really uh, rugged terrain, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, That's a perfect answer. Um, There's usually no wrong answer, by the way. Uh, But anyway, I want to thank you again. I know you're busy and you take time when you're a small entrepreneur. I know what that's like. Uh, 
So again, our guest was Jeff Thompson. He's a partner engineer and a co-founder for Shaggy. And I appreciate Shaggy Skis and Copper Country. I know I probably didn't get the whole <laughs> title, but, uh, but thanks again, Jeff. You did a great job today and keep up the good work. You do good justice for Michigan. And we appreciate everything you guys do up there. Well, thanks again for having me, Ed. Oh, thanks for doing it. Join us next week where our guest is going to be Sean Pomaville Size. She's executive director for Motor City's National Heritage Area. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.